All your favorite Smodco shows aren't just available on audio anymore. All the best ones are now available as books. Podbooks.com. That's Podbooks with a Z. Transcribe directly from our Smarchives. Enjoy the Smonsters of Talk in print form. Kev, Ralph, Jay, Jen, Moj, and more. Just go to Podbooks.com for more details. That's Podbook with a Z on the end. Podbooks. Pods in print. Smodcast is turning six years old, motherfucker, and we're celebrating with a smorgy. January 26th and 27th, get ready for two days of non-stop aural pleasure in Halifax, Nova Scotia. The Smodcast Morning Show, I Sell Comics, Highlands of Peephole History, Smodcast, The Secret Stash, Hollywood Babylon, Fat Man on Batman, Babylon Comic Con Theater, Plus One, Tell Em Steve Dave, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old, and a Smash Up Jam Session. The Smonsters of Talk invading the Spats Theater in Halifax, Nova Scotia, January 26th and 27th. Tickets just $99 for each day at smodcosmorgy.com. Don't miss the Smonsters of Talk as the Smods bring their pods to the Smorgy. Tickets available now at smodcosmorgy.com. Smodco's been blasting its own brand of fuck yeah for years in all forms of media. If you're saying, hold up, sir, dude, what about video games? We got that market covered, too. Visit Smarcade.com to learn about two, count them, two games for your iOS and Android device. Jay and Silent Bob grace your mobile with Too Fat to Fly and Let Us Dance. Get your game on, Smod Goblins. Check out Smarcade.com. Yes, no, and welcome to Bagged and Boarded. I'm Matt Cohen, and I am joined by a uh, a special utility co-host today. I say utility because you're a tool. Uh, you like that? I'm kidding. Why do you intro me with that? Sean D. Pasquale. That's... Hi. Did I get your last name right? Yeah. I learned. But you, um, we're off to a bad start. How many, how many episodes of this show have you been on now? This is my... Fourth? Fifth, if you count the geek okay. extravaganza. Fifth? Yeah. McMillan? So. McMillan, Gia. Uh, yes. Victoria. Victoria. Who, who, sadly, can we update people? Because yeah, the last time not, you were that sad. the last oh, time you were on the podcast, you were talking about getting engaged, we motherfucker. Had, well, no, we the last time, I talked about you getting engaged, right? And then the uh, last time that I was on the podcast before that, didn't we do therapy, or was that just at your house? That was just after the uh, podcast. It felt like a podcast. Should we talk about that real quick? Last time Sean yeah, came over to do yeah. a podcast, I decided to turn into a uh, a relationship therapist. We asked you to be our relationship therapist. It was pretty intense, though. It got really intense, and it, it but it helped because ultimately we realized that we were not good for each and other. That was the and point. We, that, that was, was like kinda... one of the starting. Yeah, that was like the starting point. See, of folks, bagged and boarded. You hear about comics and geek shit, and I ruin your relationships. Yeah, no, or. 
or you save our lives or I save your lives. Yes. All it, at the same time. They, I mean, this was a plus for me. Like, this is not a sad breakup. Okay, good for shit. Me. I'm, I'm happy. And now I'm single. And now you're single yeah, and looking to mingle. That's right. Um, and you're here doing a podcast. So thank you. What do you? Been, oh. uh, we are here at Geek Headquarters. That's right. You were gonna ask me what I've been doing, and I was gonna open with. Oh. Well, I've been working on this amazing comic book. Oh, stop it! That we kickstarted. Graphic we got, novel. Oh, it's graphic novel. Whatever. It's a comic. It's 130 got, fucking pages. It's still a comic book. <laughs> It's still a comic book. It is in the medium of comic book format. Yes, and it, it will be a, called a graphic novel because it is is a long form comic book, and Matt is pretentious. But we hit our Kickstarter goal, and we've been working on this book, and the art is mind blowingly cool, and it's going to be about forty five pages longer than we said it would be, which is awesome. And you're gonna like it, and we're gonna do it. We're gonna do a podcast uh, in the next few weeks with me, Sean, and and the artist yeah. uh, Axel Ortiz, where we talk about that. But speaking of Kickstarter, uh, the gentleman joining us today, other than a laundry list of really cool shit that you're gonna immediately be impressed by slash a fan of already, he's also uh, done some successful Kickstarter stuff, which which seems like the wave of the future, Sean. Right? Kickstarter. People will be kickstarting babies someday, man. <laughs> I need well, a baby. Well, Kickstart well, that no, shit. Be kickstarting like. I had a baby Aww. who wants to help me. Like this child could p- potentially cure cancer. So if you fund this child and he, be- oh, like just pay like, for a kid, pay for this kid's life, so that if he does something amazing, you get a piece of whatever he does. Or later. on the inverse, if he turns into like a horrible monster, you created a monster. You created a monster, create a monster. which is nice too. Yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, cooler. Yeah, right. <laughs> Without further ado, please welcome Mr. John Schnepp. What's up? Everybody? What's going on, man? Oh, nice to be on the show. Um, and it was how was the commute to get here? You found the place all right. Wow, man, it was it was really tough walking those seventeen feet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Schnepp, uh, I first met John when we got the office here at uh, Geek. Well, first off, I heard Axel kept talking. Axel talks about you every day, and did so for like the month leading up to Geek Artist Axel Ortiz. Yeah, yeah. He was like, "Oh, well, John Schnepp works in the office next door." And John Schnepp, and I was like, "Who is who is this John Schnepp guy?" Um, and then once I met you, I see you pretty much almost every day. So right. I feel like I've met you before, but just didn't uh, know it. Speaking of which, the folks at CineFamily say hello. Oh, right on. Those guys. Are they awesome. saw they were doing the podcast. and They were like, we know that guy. He, he, he's the tall lumberjack dude who loves the movie theater. <laughs> Tell him we say hi. That's, that's great to be known as that's that. A sweet Thanks, thing, right? CineFamily. Yeah. Fucking tall assholes! Lumberjack. Tall lumberjack, New Beverly. He I, loves the, the movie yeah, theater. He loves those movies. He's always out in the corner. The lumberjack, the tall one. They're manly, dude. The it's sad a compliment. Lumberjack. It's a compliment. Like you show up and you're like, I love this theater. I've come here. Yeah. The silent movie theater is for me. <laughs> I'm a big lumberjack. Um, but we should say uh, for folks who might not be familiar with your work, uh, first and foremost, people probably know you as uh, director and producer of the uh, hit cartoon. Metalocalypse. Right on. Yeah. So that's what I'm most known for. Uh, also being a lumberjack, apparently. Yeah, and lumberjack. Yeah, yeah. Lumberjacking. lumberjacking. And director of a metal show. Yeah. But you have done uh, a lot of stuff, man. Where, where are you from originally? Uh, I grew up in Connecticut and uh, went to uh, this uh, high school called the Educational Center for the Arts. And that's when I started getting into doing a lot of weird stuff like visual performances and theater. When I, then I moved to Chicago and went to the Art Institute of Chicago, the college there. And that was just the best time, so that's where I ended up doing a lot now, of super crazy stuff, working you, on music videos and whatnot. As a kid, you grew up pretty pretty geeky, as it were. Were you always yeah, into cartoons nerd, and comics? Comic yeah. books. Went to the comic book store every almost every other day. Uh, 
total. You know, they only come out once a week. They come out once a week, but yo, you know, I had to go to the paperback trader. They didn't actually even have one. I'm so old, they didn't have comic book stores. I would have to go to my pharmacy across the street with the uh, little metal turn spindle where all the books bent in the middle. And And I gotta say, also, there was a time back in the day where, like, you didn't know comics came out on Wednesday. No. You would just show up and new comics would be when at I was the grocery a kid, store. When I was a kid, I would just go, I'd be like, oh, it's time to buy comics haphazardly. And, and it would then, seem like there was a new book there. And I would never buy them sequentially either. No. Like I would just wind up with like uh, Venom number one, number five, and number eight, and that was fine. My buddy Dave has this 90s comics podcast, and he talks about how in the 90s you never came in at the start of an arc. It was yeah, always oh. like part two, you know, or like part three of an eight-part story, and be like, I don't, I'll never know how this began. I had a couple. Uh, funeral Pyre, yeah. if you remember that yes, one. I was funeral, big into uh, Funeral X-Men, Pyre. X-Men crossover. Um, no, no, no. It, funeral Pyre was Punisher Ghost Rider. Oh, right. Venom, no, Venom Go Venom Punisher Ghost Rider? I, Spider-Man was probably See, dude, there. you're talking about comics when I stopped reading. Like, <laughs> I st- like right around, like, 89, 90. That's when, when I started. I, like, busted out into him. I was like, no, uh, you know, it was after Dark Knight, Watchmen, Miracle Man, all these like insane. Like the like, best comics. Simonson's yeah. Thor run, John Burns' Fantastic Four run. It was just like, it kind of, and then Image busted off and they just started, then Marvel to compete with Image was doing like 700 Kitty Pride so comics. You, you missed so the, I was like, I, bu- I just was like, no. You I missed the days of holograms and die cut covers. Yep, don't have any of those. Oh, I, I had so many. That, yeah. So. so many. I still have a Bart Radioactive Man. It's Bartman or Radioactive Man, and it's like it's Bartman. You know what I'm talking yes. about? Where it says like this cover with the silver. All right, good shit. Good for you. Um, Bongo Comics. Bongo like Comics. Premier Speaking book. of variant covers, that's coming. I, I just went to this new comic store here uh, in in Los Angeles, actually in Burbank. It's called Blast Off, and I, oh, wow. I hadn't been there. And they're sort of like it's really it's a pretty cool comic book store because on the walls are just nothing but old sixty fifties and sixties. Com- oh, that's awesome. Comics. And it's like really kind of like if you're into comics and and have comics culture and, and are knowledgeable about comics, you're gonna freak out when you go into the store because it's it's less so about even anything that's like new. It's got all the new comics, but it's also an instant like you just walk through that store and you instantly get a history lesson. Oh, that's great! So it's dude. Pretty cool. And the guy who's running it, he's a knowledgeable comics nerd. So he like all the comics that are up there, he could talk about each and every one of them. If you have a question, he's really nice. But speaking of, I went there, and while you're talking about all these variant covers, now they're doing covers that are just white with nothing on them. Really? So they'll come out with like Batman or the new uh, Uncanny X-Men. Yeah. And, and just like a blank white they're, cover? They're blank for, white cover. You know what they're for? Yeah, they're for conventions yeah. where you go, you keep your little white get them cover, and then get some dude to draw on it. And that, Yeah. When I, yes. I, I uh, customized comic yeah, cover. that's crazy. When I and then it's worth. Then you take that and you over the the CGC grading booth it, slap yeah. that and you get in it there. slapped into. You can spend your entire day with that one comic. Yep. Yeah, yeah, taking it, taking it on the rounds, and then yeah, you yeah. take it home that night to the hotel and you eBay it. and you jerk off to it yep. first. But, so, so severely fucking jacket in the corner. Yeah, that I, yeah, yeah. Totally. You, you can. Well, that's why you get it graded because they put it in that lucite. That's easy to clean. Yeah, come good call, dude. Windex. Yeah, yeah. Lucite and come. Sean knows this stuff. Yeah, yep. what I am a porn star. Before I, uh, <laughs> you were almost engaged to one before I got involved. Before I moved to LA, I worked at like uh, four different comic shops in Manhattan in a span of two years. Mm-hmm, right. And working there, that was uh, like Infinite Crisis, uh, the big Marvel events. I can't remember which one it was. Civil War, I think. Yeah, all the ones that blend together and don't mean anything. Absolutely. That yeah. But that was when <laughs> I noticed. Invasion. That was when I realized they were doing five covers usually per big release book. Yeah. 
There was one that was uh, pencils only. There was a variant. There would be, you know what I mean? Well, that's definitely coming. It's coming back in like a kitsch way now where it's like, you know, they're like, oh, we're bringing it even to like the, the titles though. Image is going through this whole phase right now where they're like, Bloodsport is back with 80 covers. Cause remember? Oh yeah. They're like doing that whole. Well, yeah, but it's people not are kitsch. buying it's, it. It's not kitsh. It's sheer money. Yeah, it's just a money grab. You just right. like instead of selling one comic, you just sold, sold five. In a world where we turn a two hundred something page children's book into eight hours of film, nine hours almost. Uh, I don't talking about the Hobbit. I am talking about the Hobbit. Have you read Have you read the reviews so far? No, yeah, I don't. Really awesome. I don't like those movies. The reviews so. are great. They're just like I feel like I'm going to vomit, and I feel like I'm watching Benny Hill, <laughs> yeah. or I feel like I'm watching something. Oh, yeah, at, like, speed. Speed. yeah. 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 it's forty eight frames per second. It's yeah, so insane. It's like wow. I, it's like I really did want to go see this new forty eight frame technology, but now now I'm nauseous. God, I, I like read like forty reviews yesterday that were just all saying i skimmed them too because i was like i don't want to know too much about the movie and just skimming him benny hill 1.5 speed was almost in every single one i was like is this a cabal of reviewers who all got together and said we'll say all the same stuff if you pay us x if there's anything that's going to make me want to see these three hobbit films more it is a benny hill factor (laughs) i mean i heard it looks like a bad like if radagast just starts running after a chick in a bikini or whatever and they play the the What's that song called? No, they'll play Chronos Quartet. Slapping on the ball. Yeah. And he's running. Hey, Frodo. Women in bikinis come out of the shower. Yeah, yeah. Bobby's hat. It'd be an unexpected journey. Women in bikinis show up with all these dwarves. Oh, I wish. I wish. Bobby is like 13 dwarves chasing one woman through different doorways. Slapping her butt. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then at one point. They're wearing bikinis and she's a dwarf. Oh, yeah, and she's racing them. Wait yeah. a minute, now it just got weird. Yeah, <laughs> we got to put a phone call into New Zealand. Up, um, are you a big Lord of the Rings fan? You know what? I liked the movies. I'm not. A, I'm not a giant Lord of the Rings fan, and I I watched all the extended editions. Me but too. to be honest with you, like the one that won the Oscar had like 28 endings. Return of the King in the theater. Yeah. yeah, and I was just like, yo, I don't know if I could watch the seven hour version of that, <laughs> the extended version. I bought all of them. And I eventually watched all of them, but I just, I mean, I'm not so super excited about The Hobbit. When I read about this like 48 frame thing, uh, I, I kind of was like, well, they've done tests like that. They did that. Douglas Trumbull did that like 20 years ago. He was shooting 60 frame per second stuff with tarantulas. And they had a little special screening room for it here in California. Oh, wow. And it just didn't work out. And what happens is like, you know, we're all sitting around here. And if we had somebody shooting us with a 48 frame, you know, camera... It's like everything would look like, man, I could see the detail, the label on this pen. It's almost got almost, because it's the eye sees totally. 60 fr- uh, frames So it's as close to almost the eye it can see. Yeah, I mean, we can actually technically actually show 60 frames per second in a movie theater. It's just they need to increase some of their light bulb. Yeah, but from the way this sounds like your head would well, explode. The thing I've heard about this, I've, I've heard varying <laughs> things on this. Some people are say certain shots look so fucking beautiful that you can like reach through the screen and walk in. Right. Other shots just look fake. They said anything digital looks slapped in and weird. Well, remember, film is all about grain and shadow and and the ability to like have uh, focus on depth, one thing, depth, depth of yeah, field. Yeah. Uh, video when it first came out, I remember I was like. I was like 12 using a, like the first beta cam. It had its, its own extension, like backpack and a separate giant camera. Yeah. The tape was like this other backpack. It was like a proton pack yeah, camera. Yeah, That's like, awesome. And you'd walk around and you'd film people. And like if they had a little sheen on their forehead, it looked like plastic. So video was like the 
antithesis of film. It's like you get this like really gross, false, like not real look when you shoot in video. So oh, if I wanted to shoot like a tabletop cabinet, that shit's going to look crazy plastic because it's on video. The first time we, I worked on a film uh, that shot on a red, but when they were first coming out, and I remember everything, everything in every set piece, every article of clothing looked like it cost $2 from fucking Kmart. And that's the other negative thing that? that Hobbit's getting is it, it's a, it, they yep. say all the makeup and all the costumes look terrible. It's going to pull you out of the movie. And unfortunately, I think it's like shooting 48 frames sounds great. But when you actually have like, you know, somebody's like, yo, hurry up and make that, you know, like I was saying, like, here's your crayon box. But if somebody had to like quickly draw something on there and then it's down and it's super detailed, you would you know it looks yeah. fake. And it's like you could start to see the artistry revealed where it's like film would shadow that up and you'd like get a cool light on it. Yeah, it, it looked would, filmic. It was fucking it cool. Would, it would, like, you're yeah. transported to another dimension. Absolutely. And here you're like, yo, is that like I can see the sewn marks in the ears and like weird makeup uh, streaks. And that I can, hope that's not I, I haven't seen the movie yet, so totally. I can't bag on it. I'm just saying the, that's my fear. That's my fear too. That like when porn went HD. Yeah. I, the best thing ever. And you were like, oh, no. <laughs> no, actually. No. It was no, oh, no for a minute. No. But now do you ever realize if you if you click on a porn and it's not shot in the last five years, you're like, I can't jerk off to this. <laughs> I don't know. Video? Or do you do you go old I, school? I don't, mind, I don't mind a little bit of grit and like not being able to see things clearly. I'm like, yeah, she looks good. <laughs> the thing that makes me nervous with The Hobbit are the, uh, the visual complaints tied with just what has to be the padding out of the movie. There's no fucking way... That book necessitated three, two and a half, almost three hour films. Well, think about it like this, though. It's like like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. All those movies, each one got longer. Even yes. in the theater, it yes. got longer. Then they came out with a busted, like, super extend-over. Well, they version. were like That's five like hour movies. Almost movie. a yeah. day yeah. of watching Lord of the Rings. That's 14 hours or something. So you're like, okay, so those guys were taking all the appendices and throwing those into The Hobbit and taking, like, retrofitting the Lord of the Rings so that it fits. Like, into directly yeah, that what yeah, Tolkien yeah. couldn't do because he fuck he died he fucking died before he could do this but Asshole. that was his thing he yeah. was like oh I'm re going back sort of Lucas style like here's my prequels but now I'm going to reinvigorate them with what was happening no totally yada yada but he didn't get to do it so Jackson did it and the, the one thing and, that the bright spot is Guillermo del Toro wrote these with Peter right. Jackson and Fran so in my mind I'm like that gives you a little glimmer of and he hope. also did a lot of design work he was on that for like he did he years. was going to be the director yeah. he was in New Zealand living there for like two, a year no, yeah, two, two years, years right yeah. that's why he finally bounced it was like yo is this ever going to have that and James Bond and all these other lesser movies got just jacked in that uh. deal so no, he 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 gave up the Hobbit in the in the to get to make his own fucking films because he would have been tied up for yeah yeah. But meanwhile, he didn't really make anything. Okay, well, I mean, ended up because he tried to do Mountains of Madness. Yeah, and then that got jacked. So he's like he's attached it, like seven hundred things. The so. Hajuku movie now is that him? Uh, what, yeah, the uh, Pacific Rim. Hajuku. Yeah. What is it called? Kaiju. Kaiju. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what is he did talking you, about? Did you mean to say Harajuku? <laughs> I don't know what I meant to say. Uh, That's yeah. what he's doing, right? Pacific Rim is coming. Well, he's doing that Kaiju Jackaju. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With uh, Charlie Robots Day, with Idris monster. Idris Elba and Charlie Day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be amazing. I want to see Charlie Day in like a real I serious. They released some like, like. Art. There were promo clips like at, at Comic Con. I saw right. footage of it. Looks it. amazing. It, it, it's going to be fucking look. awesome. Yeah, yeah, that should be really fun. They have I'm viral for videos that. of the robots and the monsters. Yeah. And totally. And then they just announced he's doing a uh, haunted house movie with robots and monsters. No, no just no. A, it's creep, his creepy own monster. Yeah, badass. Yeah, yeah. Right? But so, so let's get back to to you for a second, sir. So you grew up a geek. You knew immediately that you wanted to be involved in the performance. Yeah. 
something or I yeah. mean I bought Starlog ladies and gentlemen and <laughs> Cinefex I knew how to like make smoke machines and stuff that's so. awesome um, yeah so then I went to art school got like freaked out did a lot of drugs did performance art I went there as a painter you know got all serious into fine art for a few years then eventually went back to like yo everything's art you know like yeah, comics, let's make cartoons yeah so uh, ended up working with some music video companies in Chicago, like Nine Inch Nails shot their first video at my house. And wow. And I started getting involved. Wait, you shot it. the first Nine Inch Nails video at your house? Yeah. What song was it for? It was uh, Down In It. That's crazy, It's like dude. when he's like walking on that rooftop, that's my yeah. rooftop. How, how did that come about? Were they just a random band? They no, needed they, a were, video? they were just a totally random band. <clears throat> Al Jorgensen met them, and Al Jorgensen had done his ministry videos with my friends but when I was still in college. Like, I got all those skinheads for that one Al Jorgensen video, <laughs> like the first one. I think it was Stigmata. You just had all, some skinheads in your back no, pocket? I had two yeah. roommates who were skinheads. I had, like, regular roommates. One of them moved out, a skinhead moved in, and then the other one moved out. And, and another, another skinhead, skinhead moved, moved in? in? Yeah, so then I had, like, but I had access to skinheads. They were just waiting you for, for you to move out, dude, and that was going to be the fifth Reich You know, right and there. I had super, yeah. like, I had, like, weird, like, The Cure style, like, super <laughs> froofy hair, like, frimped up in the top, like... They'd call me Sloop. I had like some crazy weird hair. So like, yo, who's that dude with the fucking hair? Like, I don't like other skinheads wanted to fight me all the time. They want to fight any dude with hair. Yeah. So it was really weird. <laughs> it was weird. But uh, I, I was friends with a lot of them. The non, you know, the non-Nazi the, ones, the ones who were just like, I like the you, you know, into the yeah. music. And yeah. I, you know, this was like a brotherhood thing. I was like, I get it. You don't know who you are yet. You don't have an identity. So it's fun to like, you know. Pick a thing. Yeah, pick I a used thing. to carry around a copy of the Communist Manifesto in my pocket for no reason other than to look cool <laughs> in like subways and stuff. So yeah, a lot of a lot of skinheads end, end up becoming like big rock and roll musicians or like you know woodsmen out in the forest. Lumber, cool lumber, lumberjacks. lumberjack brethren. Yeah. So uh, anyway, like I, I was like, hey, yo, I got five uh, kegs of beer, and that's instantly equals 150 skinheads. <laughs> so I was like, for free. <laughs> So anyway, that's how I started working with, uh, and these other guys were just my friends from college. So they started a music video company and I was doing like weird performance art, like reading like strange poetry in with, Chicago, like, yeah, in Chicago, in front of different bands. Like I would come up and like, they, you'd be like, the opener for, yeah, for the like opener. nine inch nails. Yeah, some and you dude read. Really, not nine inch nails, like a, a, a yeah, way yeah. lower, lesser scale, but I'd like open up and like, I get like 25 bucks and like free drinks all night. So that's that was awesome, awesome, dude. Yeah. yeah like I was 21. Fantastic. I was yeah. like, this is incredible. So. I uh, started doing that stuff and working with these. That's how I started learning how to do an animation and editing and just like and just, filmmaking. Yeah, yeah filmmaking. Was, was that always your first love? Because I know you're, you're known now maybe primarily as a cartoon guy, as right. an animation guy. But you've done a lot of live action, yeah. a shitload of that. So was that the thing that you wanted to get into? When did, when did animation never, enter the picture? It was never picture? one thing or the other. It was always just really super organic. It's I you know I was in it I did I took animation classes in college but I didn't want to be an animator and then it was like sort of like the people like I would draw stuff all the time they're like yo that would be a cool character in this cartoon thing let me show it to this dude and then this guy who lived out here launched a CD-ROM magazine so I ended up doing all these like animated cartoons wow. for this magazine called Launch which was about CD-ROMs no no it was oh. a music magazine okay I thought you said it was a CD-ROM magazine it was a, no it was a CD-ROM magazine oh the magazine was on okay yeah it was actually like an actual I thought it was a magazine, magazine dedicated no, to the magazine. art of CD-ROM yeah, I've like a really quick like five year thing that happened like in the late 90s John and wow. I talked about a lot of this recently like like I, I've heard a lot of this stuff recently yeah. and, and what there's first of all when you get into animation, there's a whole bunch of awesome shit that John's worked on that, like, that we don't even know about. That will blow your mind when he starts to mention, All right, like, oh, we'll, yeah, we'll did do this the list. And that. Yeah, yeah. But also, the other thing I noticed, and, and like, a lot of, like, especially the way you tell, like, oh, well, then this happened, it seems like a lot of stuff is just like, John's like, 
ah, I was doing this, and someone's like, dude, that would be awesome if you did this. And then, like, then I, I started it. doing yeah. it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's the best career path. Just wandering your way through your career, Pretty but hitting much, yeah. awesome stuff. No, but he yeah, did, yeah. Admittedly, he's That's like, yeah, crazy. kind of. Yeah. So from uh, from music videos in Chicago, what, what was the next move? How did you... Well, talking about stuff that blew my mind, I want to hit on this real quick. You actually had a large influence on why I am even here right now today. Uh, you changed Matt Cohen. You literally like changed Cohen's my life, life, dude. You were, you were single-handedly involved in that. When I was in, I think it was 10th grade, I want to say 99 maybe, and you can probably back me up on this. Sure. Um, I remember being home one night, I think it was like a Sunday night, and around midnight on Comedy Central... This show aired called The Upright Citizens Brigade. Right. And I had no fucking clue what was going on. <laughs> but within, I think the first sketch up in the first episode is, no, it's Bucket of Truth and then it goes to Ass Pennies. Ass Pennies. Ass One pennies. of my favorites. Yeah. All I know is my world was changed <laughs> immediately. And at that point, I'd see, I'd watched SNL and like Kids in the Hall, but I didn't really know anything about sketch comedy. Sure. And then this, this half an hour show came on. And I was I was reeling after it, and I went into school the next day and was like, "Who the, who's seen this OUCB show?" And no one, and no one ever did in my right. entire length of my high school career. But it was my favorite fucking thing on TV, and because of that, I got into Mr. Show, and I got into Monty Python, right. and I and I started taking UCB classes. That's awesome, and it and it led to like my my real entire love of comedy and all that stuff. You directed the pilot for UCB. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. You knew, meet them in Chicago. Yeah, I met them. That makes Del, sense. Del yeah. Close. Like you, knew, I, you knew Del also. Yeah, he's a he actually acted. In, he's a supervillain in this this uh, weird science fiction comedy thing that I never released. That Matt Besser's in, Ann Robertson, Dave Keckner, all these. Wow, uh, Rich Fulcher. It's like a who's who of like people in yeah. Chicago at the time. But uh, I wrote this weird science fiction comedy bizarro series with a friend of mine. We like just kind of like uh, Ali Farnakian, who was uh, who wound up, original dude from up and split off and wound up starting yeah. his own theater. It was the Magnet or the Pit, something like that. Something, yeah, oh, yeah. This is back in like you know ninety, no, 92. totally. So he was like, "Yo, you know what? Uh, let me show this to Dell." Like, so we gave the script to Dell. Dell called us. He's like, "This is the craziest script I've ever read. I'll do anything to be a part of it. I want to be involved." And we we're like, "You want to help us cast it and be like dialogue director?" And he was like. Do you want to be in it? Can you play this supervillain called the Man? And he's like, "Yes." Now, so. were you were you aware of his pedigree at that time, or was it just Not some as dude? Much. No, yeah. no, no. I mean, I knew that he he was like the teacher of like Dan Aykroyd and, and Belushi, John Belushi. Yeah. so I knew that. But then, and I knew he had, he had written these Wasteland comics that I read. So I was like, "Yeah, he has a really he you know did a lot of drugs and he was in like counterculture. Still shit. was probably doing a lot oh, of drugs. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so we started hanging out with him." We'd go to his house, and he was a bit of a warlock, you know, but not like a super weird warlock, but a little bit. To and, me, uh, he always seemed like the druggy comedy version of Forrest Ackerman somehow. Like, just a weird no, character. Forrest Ackerman was way too, like, Dell was way cooler. I mean, I think Forrest was awesome. Did you know nice. Forrest too? Or I did met you? him very briefly. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't hang with him like I hung out with Dell Close, but totally different people. It just um, seems like this elderly man collecting young, like, like, People in that scene, like, do, do you know anything about Del Close, Sean? I know about Del Close, not for a Ackerman. You don't know about Forrest Ackerman? No, uh, no but see, Del Close. I mean, for, no. we'll get into ran, that in a minute. Ran a magazine and did that. Famous Monsters of Movie Land magazine uh, was was his magazine. It was all about. It was like the first uh, fan. It was like mm-hmm. pre Fangoria, like fa- horror mag, genre it, mag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And he also was like one of the biggest collectors of sci fi and horror memorabilia. Mm. 
and at his house, the Acker Mansion. Sure. You could just go there, and, and he would let you in and like yeah. look at oh, shit. Cool. You go upstairs. I went there like a couple years before he closed it down. It was it was pretty awesome. That's cool. Oh. No, that's no, really yeah, cool. Yeah, but he's different. Cool. Del Close wasn't like that. He didn't like have like a weird collector thing. He was like he just knew everybody. Yeah. And everybody wanted to learn from him. So he would do these classes. That's where the Herald came from. And that's where UCB, the original UCB the, guys with the, McKay and all those guys. Like, I used to go see them perform when Dell was like when, hanging with them. Before it was just the four. You saw the original UCB yeah, one, yeah, Horatio McKay, and everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was like, they were, they were, I can't even remember. It was like above a Thai restaurant. I remember going that's to these. That's so fucking that's awesome. That's where I first dude. saw the Bucket of Truth. It was like in 90, I think it was 92, 91 or 92. Wow. And it was, uh, they all wore just like, like, you know, suits like businessman suits. Like I actually designed those weird striped like, suits that they did wear. Did you really like the, the actual UCB suits? Yeah, yeah I drew yeah, them yeah. out. I mean, I, I'm not a costume designer. Like I didn't sew them together, but I gave them to the costume designer because that's how I started working with Besser. For he he plays this character called the Red Mime. He's like a transdimensional in your sci-fi yeah, in my thing? sci-fi yeah, yeah. thing. So like about a year about a year and a half later, we made this thing in like '93. It took us two years to finish it because it was like all funded ourselves and. We're doing it at this music. This is pre Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah, we had a friend who was like, like his dad was like the inventor of a microchip. So he like, he was like, yo, I gotta bust out to India, but yo, here's an Avid and that here's works. an yeah. machine. Can I store it at this music video company that you you guys have been working at? So we made a deal where like, yeah, we can store this stuff, but we can work on this stuff. So I learned how to edit. On the like, I think it was the forty third Abbott ever made that I was ever tumbling, yeah. and he continues his tumble into success. Yeah, it's it like, like, oh, yeah, sure. totally. Yeah, leave, it was your, like, leave yeah. your expensive equipment over well, you know, here. Great. I mean, ever just dealing with like, like <laughs> a like lot the of Forrest Gump of cool yeah, shit a lot in of the people, industry. Yeah. A lot of people have no idea what it's like to edit on a nonlinear digital editing system. I like can't imagine tape to tape like weird tapes. In, rewind in college, shit in. I remember they shot where there was like one day where we were like splicing tape, splicing film, and like taping shit together, and I was like. No one would ever fucking make movies if this was the way you had to make movies still. I know, but no, they still would. It just... It just would be insane. Well, you know what? Either you flow with it or you don't. Like, I, I know a lot of dudes who, like, just, you know, got Still crushed. cut real to real? No, or? no, no, no. Oh, okay. Who got crushed by technology because they thought in such this methodical way of, like, hanging up magnetic strips and, well, no, every scene is sacred. It's like, but I was always like, smash it around, destroy shit, open stuff <laughs> yeah. up, crush it because you're not playing with real film. And when no, you have totally. that, when you have that freedom, like, oh, I don't have to worry about real film. You do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, yeah. you can do, totally experiment. And that was the, the creative part of it is to why I ended up working on Space Ghost Coast to Coast because I would just make these weird Which edits. is one of the shows that I was going to be like, we'll, we'll get to the end. worked that's... on Space Ghost. Well, I did that before like, uh, uh, before Uprights. So out of college, you started directing music videos and... I just started, no, I was, out of college, I was like painting murals, broke, yeah. uh, being almost homeless multiple times, just swinging around, hanging out with my friends, <laughs> getting drunk all the time, doing tons of drugs. And that was like, went on for like four years. Just a party I had that for years. Lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't perform or part. I just did the drug part. Yeah. But, so it was yeah. like incredibly fun. And then, then it was like, well, I was like 23 and I was like, started writing some weird stuff like that science, that science fiction thing and just started hanging out with at the improv Olympic and, and meeting a bunch of, uh, of comedy people and, and also still working on weird building sets for music videos, starting to do animation for music videos. It all sort of spiraled around like 93, 94. Then I started doing that, uh, launched the CD ROM magazine thing. It was, uh, Started, shot the, this, uh, mad science is what it was called. So shot that in 93 and, and then took like 94 to like, you know, do all the special effects and edit the stuff. And then in 95, somebody had, somebody from MTV had seen our pilot. 
for Mad Science. Yeah. And was like, yo, we want that exact look for our first video game, interactive video game. So I got hired to be like the art director and the editor and the storyboard On an MTV artist. video Wait, game? Yeah. This story's good. And that's, that's where I met Nick Offerman. He's in it. Uh, what, Kate Walsh. What, all these different actors are all in that. What thing. was the name of the video game? <laughs> the video never, game was called MTV's Club Dead. I don't remember never that. Out. It never no, it came, did come out. Right. It came out, but it was a giant failure because it came out and they were using an older, it was Viacom oh, yeah, Media. Right. They were using an old engine from Dracula 2000, like, <laughs> made, like, whatever. That was from made in like 1990. No, yeah, yeah. Something like that. So the engine was like playing, all the videos played at seven frames a second. It was all Ooh. digitally looking. No, yeah, bit. yeah. And that came out the same day as Wing Commander 2, which was like full frame full video, video full actual video, actual video, actual hu- I remember like my high res. Mark Hamill. My mind was blown that. by Wing Commander. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It was the fucking movie video yeah. game. It so was like, how was are like, they getting this? Oh, here's this strange, here. awkward thing that you keep dying in, and I can't even see what I'm looking at. <laughs> even though all the graphics, everybody, we busted ass making really cool stuff. You just couldn't see it when you played the game. So they was, they don't ever have luck with their first foray into things. MTV. Do you remember the first MTV film? Joe's apartment. Joe's apartment. The yeah. guy who wrote Joe's apartment came on a rewrote Club Dead. Are you serious? Yep. That's awesome, man. No, he's a good guy. So, so then, how do you get into where? Where, where do you go where do from? The cartoons come in. Like when so does it switch over? It switches over. Like so, I started editing Space Ghost on and off. Like they were like after the MTV video game. You were working with no, Viacom. I did MTV first. Okay, I mean, not MTV. I mean, I did the Space Ghost thing. After the MTV video game. So how did you get hooked up with Space Ghost? Space Ghost thing, the director from the MTV um, Club Dead thing was going out to Atlanta and he said, hey, I know the guy who runs that Space Ghost thing and he's looking for like a weirdo, a weirdo editor because all their editors are burned out and they had already done like six episodes and none of them wanted to work on it anymore. So it was like, they just want someone to come in and just like do an episode. And, And I suggested you. You want to do it? So I was like, yeah, I'll send him here. I just cut together like four things that were like totally insane. I was like, send him that for my demo because I didn't give a fuck. You were like, either they'll hire me or they'll be yeah, scared so as shit. Yeah, it was Mike Lazo yeah, yeah. who runs Adult Swim now. So he was just like, oh, wow. he was like just running like a smaller part of Cartoon Network at the time. He smoked all the time. And I smoked all the time at that time too. I had super long hair and I would wear like these weird jack boots. It was like a lot of weird shit went down when I first got there because they didn't have room for me. There was no car. There was no adult swim. This is in like, Atlanta. Yeah, this is they're Atlanta. based. Yeah. So I went out there and they like. Was they, this like out of the Turner building at the time? Yeah, it was like they were building all these That's giant awesome. Turner buildings. So, but we were in this giant pit, like a like an air aircraft hangar with all these you know cubicles. But the the Space Ghost guys were all in this one area. And so they're like, well, you're going to have to sit like near all these other dudes who are like lawyers and <laughs> like the suits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the suits. So I'm in this cubicle area, like long hair, like shorts, with, like, le- like leather biker <laughs> boots. And I show them, they like have a computer for me. And then the next day I show up, it's chained to the table. You know, like the, the monitor is chained, <laughs> is chained down. Like because the they thought you like would jack it. Yeah. And I fucking flew such a fit. I just, when I came down, I sat down and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I, I literally was so pissed. I started yelling, who the fuck put chains on this fucking computer? And I fuck, started awesome. flipping tables and shit. And I fucking threw such a giant fit. I was like, get me on a fucking plane. I'm out of here today unless these chains are off. I've never heard of a computer being chained up no, before. No, because it was like a bunch of little pussies sitting yeah. around me were like worried because I had long hair that I was going to like take 
not only it was like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I kept yelling the whole day. Yeah, I'm really going to take the computer I'm working on, you fucking idiots. <laughs> you fucking scaredy pussy And none of them idiot. said anything, right? Nothing. Yeah. Silent. Silence. Gulping, yeah. swallowing, hear their little shitty breath. I remember it was like, <laughs> so the chains went off like literally an hour Laz was like, I'm really sorry, John. You know, he's got that southern drawl. People just hating on you, you know? <laughs> so it's like, but he was fun to work with. The guy's a fucking weirdo and a like, smart guy. So we did Space Ghost. I did that episode. And then they started doing like, they're like, oh, it's a su- successful show. We're going to do like 25 of them. And so they're like, they didn't have anybody who could do it in uh, Atlanta. So they uh, started billing it out to uh, an, an edit house out here in Santa Monica. So I lived in Chicago at the time. <coughs> then I, went, I started coming out here to, to Santa work Monica. On Space they were Coast. like, yo, just come out here and like live out here for four months. It was a lot of money to pay me to go edit. No, yeah. And for me, I was so fast. All their other editors, it would take them like eight weeks to do a show. I could do one in three weeks. So you were just done and chilling kind of yeah, during no, that I would, four I would months? Yeah, I do weird edits. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, yo, here's the edit. Plus, here's some extra shit. Like I would make, make, make Mike Judge talk to himself as Beavis and Butthead, just <laughs> using the outtakes. Just like here, here's some extra weird shit, you know. So it was a funny, it was fun for me. But that's when uh, I met I met uh, Kent Alterman, who from Comedy Central. They had just picked up the Upright Citizens, and you'd known all them from Chicago. I knew the Uprights from Chicago. They had a deal with HBO originally to do an Upright that's Citizens right, yeah. show, and so they hired me to design the sets. So originally, I just did like a whole bunch of production drawings, and that was like in, for like the Inner Sanctum, or yeah, was it always the same concept? Yeah, they had a teleportation chair, which they kind of lifted from me from Mad Science. There was, awesome, was no dude. big deal. I no, was yeah, like, hey, yeah, man, you guys were all there together anyway. Yeah, right? it's like, yeah. hey, we like the kind of shit that you were doing, so we're going to do something like that. But like, you know, mess around. It was like scientists messing around with other shit. That's what Mad Science. Our thing was like scientists in the secret lab beaming people in doing experiments, fucking with people, yeah, just kind of, with, with, with which people. is basically what UCB wound up. Pretty <laughs> much, yeah. but it's like it's totally different though. It's like it's a, t- a different, in, completely. Different. No, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was like it was cool with me. I mean, that's the truth of it. So it's not like they stole this thing. It was more like, hey, man, we all work together, and here's some cool. We ideas. dig that. Yeah. yeah, they have that stuff, man. Our show was like just a clusterfuck of strange characters <laughs> and weirdness. someday I'll put it online. You guys, dude. Watch now, it, yeah, you, I mean. With with the with the cast in it, it seems like you should put that shit. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like, it's like would... the fifteenth anniversary coming up this year. Oh, dude, like you gotta do that. So like, yeah, do like a, try to do a screening or something. You know, that dude, sounds really really no, fun. Fifteenth is twentieth, dude. Wow, and it's never been seen. Never. No, we showed it like twice when we we had it like uh, at the uh, Chicago Underground Film Festival in nineteen ninety five when we finally finished. That's so fucking funny, man. So so Ken Alterman hooked you up with with. Upright again. Yeah, he came out to, uh, he was visiting out and he was like, hey, you know, these guys want you to direct it and you've done a bunch of, like, at that point, I'd just done, like, super weird experimental live action, like the Mad Science and all these other, like, just crazy weird stuff. Weird shorts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So all the television stuff I'd done is, like, editing Space Ghost, just weird shorts. So they're like, yo, do you want, they want you to do this. We've got our own dude. So, like, why don't you come out and you'll co direct with him and you'll do certain segments and he'll do the other, like, live sec- segments that are in front of an audience. Cause originally, Upright was shot what, in front of an audience. Was there an audience? Yeah. They really? did it like a three, three person, like, actual stage show. Wow. And then all the remotes were the ones that I was directing, like the actual one, ca- the single camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, the show ended up becoming a single camera show. Well, I ended up, like, after we did that pilot, I went out and moved to California because I, I was like, yo, I don't know if that pilot's going to get picked up. I got offered to do more Space Ghosts. So, you know, and at that time, I'd run a small animation company in between that, those couple of years. Like, I was working for that music video company. Another friend of mine who was drawing the stuff for that, for that CD-ROM thing, 
they wanted to, you know, he wanted to do some animation on his own. So I was like, yo, let's just do this launch stuff through, you know, we'll just make a company. And then while we did that, all of a sudden we got like two giant jobs. It was like one was for Nickelodeon doing this like crazy show called Patchhead, which is like a, a all live action. I don't remember Patchhead. It was part of Kablam. I remember Kablam it's very this guy, well. Greg Harrison, he made this show called Patchhead. And it's a little kid wa- running around with a watermelon on his head. It's all like hillbilly style, green screen madness. So I think that, do you remember Kablam, Sean? Mm-mm. Yeah, Kablam was awesome. Yeah, it was a crazy show. So this was like a weird- Was that an MTV show? It, no, it was Nickelodeon. a Nickelodeon- Cartoon oh, yes, variety yes. kind of show, and the one I remember most was the action figure. I can't remember the name of right. the segment. Sure, no, but I know was, what you're talking about. It was like the action figures came to life. Yeah. That was towards the end of my Nickelodeon run. I was getting a little too old at that point <laughs> to to care. So, I mean, I hate to harp on the UCB thing, but again, because mm-hmm. it was so fucking huge in my life. What what was you said the pilot got split up into four episodes. No, the, yeah, the pilot, like segments of the the stuff that I directed ended up becoming like part of episode one, part of episode three. Like, do you remember what sketches specifically? Uh, uh, the one, story of the toad. Yeah, yeah. So I did that with Andy Richter. It's like that was so, so much fun, like spraying him with blood. That's so awesome. And then I'm I'm holding the the uh, water <laughs> when he's getting like washed off too. That was just it was fun for me to do. And like, you guys shot all that stuff in L.A. The UCB no, pilot, that, or that was all shot in New York. It was New York, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, the other one was Iron Lap. Which like one where was, he's like uh, Matt Bester's like training to get his thighs really strong. Oh yeah, so the bus ride. It's by Steve Steve Youngblood. Steve Youngblood yeah, is Youngblood. training him. Yeah. yeah. So the the Steve Youngblood stuff originally was like shot as like a three camera thing, and then him getting trained was the remote. But then when they redid it, they reshot everything except for the training sequence. So like my little segments all got fit. Are in. still so they're still threaded yeah, throughout. Woven through. So I'm living out here. I'm living out here in New York, and they were like, "Hey, do you want to do some animated segments for us?" Like, you know, we're shooting it live in New York, but so they threw me the Tick Ticks commercial. I did that. It tastes better. Yeah, like, it tastes like Santa. Yeah. It tastes like a Christmas tree, that weird one. Yeah, I remember. And then uh, Throwing Throw, Stars. I was going to just ask, did you do Throwing yeah. Stars? Yeah. yeah, they just sent me the song. We're like, Throwing Stars. It's yeah. an animated cartoon. Throwing about Stars. Four Throwing Stars. One was named Herdy. That's right. <laughs> uh, and they just like <laughs> massacred people, but they, they were all like really happy. And one was <laughs> dorky, one was cool. Yep. Like, yeah. That's awesome. So that aired. Did you now? You were only involved in the pilot of UCB, or yeah. so once that's on TV. Now you've got like your hands in every fucking pie. It seems like. Well, then I did Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Like they were like, uh, they wanted. They were so like, I'm saying. We, we got an idea to do this thing, and we know you do editing. Matt and Dave contacted yeah, yeah. you, or well, I was yeah. worried because they were doing Space Ghost. <coughs> and so when I was actually out in '99 doing an episode of Space Ghost in Atlanta, because sometimes I would like fly out there and do an episode. So it was like. So I was out there for like three months, and they were developing that episode of the, the Baffler Meal one. And so I, I remember drawing drawing Frylock upside down, like he would walk on his legs. Uh, the fries were his legs. That was, was like, your concept for Frylock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like so we all had a whole bunch of different drawings. Uh, it's all C. Martin Croker's final drawings. Those are all his stuff. So, but you were there for the conception st- stages yeah, of Aquatine. Yeah, because it was, it was done. Sorry, it was done on Space Coast. Yeah, it was a. It was That's what he's a, talking about. Baffler Meal yeah. was an episode. Wait, Aquatine spun off from Space Ghost. Baff, yeah, Baffler no Meal was an. Baffler Meal was never made. Is what right. happened. So but, they made a, a, a pilot for this idea, and then later they made the Baffler Meal just because they were like, "Well, here it is." And oh, it ended up being awesome. it was it was on. Like they come into Space Ghost, but they don't look anything like. They wind the up designs like they all look right. weird, and they're all none of them actor. But it was Shakespeare and and yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah. Happy Meal takes over. It's it like Happy a, Meal takes over Space Ghost. 
basically. Yeah. That's so no fucking reason. cool, man. And yeah. at this point, this is, I mean, they got, those shows got real popular real quick, right? Well, no, no, no. What happened is, like, they made, they spent so much money making Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the pilot. So they were like, yo, do you want to just do backgrounds for us? And I was like, yeah, I'll do that stuff. So I designed Aqua Teen's house, like the shake door, <laughs> all the interiors. I know the house very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl's dumb pool. You know, all those, all those shots are no, just yeah. like... So I did those for the pilot, and then um, it took a while for them to make the pilot. They're like, you know, whatever. That, the process of doing that kind of stuff. Like Space Ghost is usually like a four-person crew. It's like the two writers, me, and a line producer. Like the editor is kind of the director on these shows. On cartoons, right? On, or, or on, on those, Adult Swim in particular. On, yeah, the, on Space the William, Ghost. William Street Space stuff. Ghost. Yeah, yeah. No, just these just, kind that are, edit, that are edit strong. Like all the Space Ghost stuff, like... Those guys would write it based on like interviews, and then they would just give you all the footage, and you basically like are the camera crew. You just assemble it. This is a, a fan question. All those interviews are written, right? For the most part, on Space Ghost, or would they riff? No, they riff. They are none riffed. of them are written. None, none of, of them wow. are rewritten. Like I'd be if you, I was filming you, I would just ask you a bunch of general. And questions. And you would edit it together to yeah, make. I'd never let the camera go dry, so I'd be filming and be like, "Let's take a break for a minute." So you'd be like scratching your eye or looking all irritated oh, or awesome. bored or like making lip smacky sounds. Like I remember like looking at Matthew Sweet and I was like, "That dude constantly doing this weird shit with his mouth." So I threw that in every time. <laughs> like it was just a cutaway. He'd be like. Doing some weird shit when he thought he wasn't, you know, the, the footage that were, that you think we're not using it was the footage that wound up is pretty yeah. exclusively the footage yeah, that wound up being the best used. Footage, so. People never got their plugs in. It was such a weird wow. talk show format. Space yeah, Ghost, it like, yeah, it was not, never about plugs. But they were told when they came in, like you're going to be on Space Ghost, so act like you're talking to Space Ghost, right? Also, you had those corny like, "Are you getting enough oxygen?" That was in like the right, first right. early ones, and then it was like, just ask him that. So all the interviews had that those stupid questions, but we never use them you know i was like what's your favorite superpower like fucking instantly cut that shit out never you just want no yeah. of course you just wanted the stuff they didn't yeah. realize or they were no, filming the writers would then come up with totally insane ideas like zorak or moltar have some weird issues and that would that would become the a story and then the, the interviews now, would like weave in yeah. Was, yeah, yeah that show got to a point where like it got shit weird. was happening and then they would just cut to like the interviewer the, the interviewee and he'd be like sitting there by uh, himself yeah yeah <laughs> like there would never uh, yeah shit would be happening all yeah. across yeah hello <laughs> yeah so matt and dave came up with aqua teen after like doing that stuff and there was one of the writers from the onion who was there at the same time and he was kind of working I'll remember his name later. I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, but was it Todd Haynes? Yes, or? it was. Yeah. Thank you. So that much. makes sense. Yeah, 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 so we hung out a couple times. He was going through some issues or something then, so he's really depressed. Or he's always going through a lot of issues. No, back but he's then a he was funny like, guy. He was yeah. like super depressed. And I was like, I remember we were at a, at a bar one time, and he was like, he was just went outside to sit on the on the stoop outside, and I was like, what's up, dude? He's like, I don't know, man. I'm just really depressed. And he was just like, come on, dude, let's drink. So it was like, I always felt like I was trying to like make him get him not depressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he was like, he added a bunch of stuff and ideas to the original Aqua Teen, you know. Oh, that's origin. great. Yeah. And so, yeah, a year later, they're like, yo, we're going to make this show. It took a whole nother year to just make it. And then they buried it on New Year's Eve at four in the morning. That's, that's when, when Aquatine Aqua first Aqua aired. Force well, that was like what was UCB's time slot on Comedy Central? It was something. It was like Sunday night at eleven o'clock or something else. Something like, ridiculous. Something like that. Yeah, it was just a, like a dump zone. They just bury. So, so Aquatine first aired at four a.m. on New Year's Eve. Was and, this with an adult? People watched it. That was. That's why they were like, "Wow, it's weird." Like they were just like, "We don't even know what to do with this piece of crap." So let's just bury it. So that's the kind of idea of it. To be honest with you, they were just like chuck it on at four o'clock, and people were like. 
We really like that thing. <laughs> we really like that thing. Really you like showed that at thing four a.m. I imagine you were yeah. up at four a.m. on New Year's Eve and you see that. It must have felt like a fever. You probably dream. have a few drinks in you too, right? Well, that's yeah. what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Is like, and, and there was no precedent. Like now, you would see it and you'd be like, "Oh, good old Trilock." Sean, do you remember you would, the first time you heard of Aquatine? Because I can't. Yeah, it was. Um, I, we were. I was home from college, and my I went over to my buddy Dave's house, and he was like, "You have to see this thing. It's weird, dude." And I'm like, "What is it?" And he's like, "Dude, it's weird." And like, we we watched the the first episode we watched was the was the MCP pants episode. The first, yeah, yeah was the, the first original episode MCP I ever saw. I want original, candy. I want yeah, candy. Yeah, yeah. And and he was just like, he had taped it off TV, and he was like. He's like, dude, I taped it. It was so weird. He's like, we were just watching, mm-hmm. we were watching TV one night, and the shit is weird. And like, we watched it, and I'm like, what was that? Like, why was it so short? And like, right. what is it? it? Made no sense. They, like, we didn't know what it was. Like, yeah. we didn't. You didn't know there was, was a TV, TV show. show. Yeah. He was like, he was like, it's like some weird thing that they put on Comedy Central in between, like you know, their or Cartoon Network in between, like you know, their weird cartoons. Now, had Adult, adult Swim? When did Adult Swim thing. actually start? Uh, as a branding thing, one. It was so like pre pre Adult Swim, they were just air late night lineup on yeah. Cartoon Network, yeah, right? Space yeah. Ghost. It would get progressively weirder as the night went yes. on. I feel and, like, and and it was off of Space Ghost that I think because my my buddy Dave was way into like had the CDs For like Space Ghost. CDs loved Space Ghost. Um, so it would had to be like he That's was how watching we found it. Space yeah, yeah. Ghost and was just like I don't know what this is if it's like but it feels like Space Ghost because we were also into like very early on of like. Uh, C Lab and like all those shows because they were like Space Ghost. The original lineup Harvey of Adult Bird Swim Man. shows. Yeah, Harvey Birdman, right. yeah. C Lab, uh, oh, Aqua Teen. And, and Space Ghost. Harvey Birdman's pretty fucking genius. Oh, um, Do you work on that? No, no. I, 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 like, <laughs> Look how excited you Did got. you? Yeah, right. What was it like? He did you work on Star Wars too? Thinking. Yeah, we're just going to assume no, you worked on everything but he we love. He did work on another of my favorite Adult Swim shows, uh, Venture Brothers. Which you yeah, directed, that, and that's yeah. more recent, right? Yeah, that's or, more recent. Like after after uh, the Aqua Teen thing, you know, that was like in two thousand uh, two thousand one. What is it? Um, I remember doing Thunder University, which never aired. I think you could see it on YouTube. Uh, What's Thunder? 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 It was like University the same was, concept, right? Yeah, just taking the idiots Thundar from Thundar characters. and the Mukla Ukla character. Remember Thundar? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so it was like, like uh, Space like, Ghost and, uh, and and but like and Thundar Harvey in Bird. college, I'm assuming, right? No, no University. It was just, nope. No, it was just called Thunder University. Like, you're watching it like you're in college. And he's like, hello, class. He talks really stupid. Like, today we are going to talk about photosynthesis. And then Ukla, help me. And the Ukla would be like, oh. And like, pull down a pull slide. Pull down a slide to show. Yeah. That's yeah. so, so great. They're, they're on YouTube. I checked like a couple of years back. I was like, there's one or two of them on there. We only did two. Some That's so fucking funny, man. Yeah, they're like one minute long. So, so at like, this point, it's like 2000. And you, you, were, you were involved in like most of the cutting edge comedy stuff airing on television right but that didn't really matter that much because no one really watched them. yeah that's what i mean like yeah. no one like i was like yo man i worked on upright citizen brigade back in like ni- in 90 uh nine that's when no one had any fucking yeah idea. And then 2000, no, even in i was gonna say even in 2005 people would have been like 2005 so. no one cared <laughs> not until 2005 2006 until like, amy so until polar probably i mean i don't know that ucb ever found an audience like the original comedy central show it's never become the cult thing that i always thought it would right they be. still haven't put out the third season no it's like, which it's is like insane kind of yeah it's so irritating man yeah. which is and they've been they've been talking about that for years too yeah well but now it's a thing because also like marin was a big part of like 
comedy nerds is like a cool thing to be like a comedy nerd and then you start tracing back like where did all these people come from and right. like all these people are famous now and it's like they were all on one tv show you know or like a handful of tv shows because it's like it seems like like the ucb people can be traced back to that and then you have like the broken lizard people which can be tr- like it's like, funny enough broken lizard uh, Kevin Heffernan went to my uh, West Haven High School. Did he really? And I was in the Wizard of Oz with him for a summer play. What did he awesome. play? And he what did you play? Okay, I played the Scarecrow. I like it. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Where did Where did Broken Lizard come from? TV wise, they didn't come from anywhere. They made Puddle Jumper. Right? Canada. Yeah. They had a show in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. But that's they all. Lizard. That's what I'm saying. Is all of these? Oh, I didn't know that. Show and like that group. Well, yeah. They, you can they trace spin out of like. Ben Everyone Stiller. working, all the biggest people in comedy today can be can be traced back to like four or five, four or five shows, groups yeah. of people. Groups of people. Yes. UCB, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Second City, like they push their a people. Bit dated, out. but yeah, yeah. Well, Mr. Show, totally. Tina Fey came out of Second yeah. City. Like after, not- after doing the Aqua Teen stuff, moving on to like, I just started doing a whole bunch of little tiny jobs. Like 2001, it's a bad year, horrible, horrible stuff happened, and also the economy, the writer strike, everything, everything, everything got shut down. down. Yeah, so. I just remember, like, it was a bad couple years, uh, and uh, I did the voice of uh, Wisdom Cube for Aqua Teen. Oh, yeah. So that was fun. I, I, you know, those little voiceover jobs pay good money. Voiceover work is awesome yeah. if you can get it, right? So, that yeah. seems like the holy grail of, of Pretty much. acting. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so a bunch of little small jobs like that. Did a lot of interstitial stuff uh, for, like, different, you know, awards shows. Like, the, the stuff that when you're like, hey, you don't have a job, but you need to pay your bills. Here's you want weird to animate Paris Hilton with like weird like lemons falling from the tree. Did you actually yeah. do that? Yeah. What show was that for? It was for like some awards show. Like I did a whole bunch of these MTV <laughs> and uh, Nickelodeon and uh, uh, VH1 of packages, like packaging shows. Like, so when they would need any animation they would need during the show, you would take care of that? or Not just me, a whole bunch but, of yeah, yeah, But yeah, I yeah. was like one of the humpos who'd be like, yeah, I can animate Jack Black. I'd take photos of him and then he'd sli- like slide him across the screen with a rainbow. The award shows seem to do that that grab. Like I have a lot of um, like stand-up friends and improv friends who wind up writing for like the country music awards sure. and like weird uh, holiday specials and stuff. Right, because like, yeah. it's, it's not, it's never the like, variety. oh, it's continuous money flowing from weird magical trees. It's like, now I need to pay my bills because this show ended. Or, you know, it's like, so people, you know, bounce around and do you know, odd jobs, this and that. So when, when did you finally land at a permanent home? Well, I've ne- you know, it's weird. You've never really never had, had right? a permanent home. And I like that. I mean, because even though like Metalocalypse, for instance, I've worked on it for eight years. Since 2005, I, de- I de- developed the characters and did the first couple music videos. With Brendan? With Brendan and Tommy. Like I was friends with Tommy. For- I've been friends with Tommy for 25 years. He was my second roommate in 1987. Was he the skinhead or? No, no, no. No, he wasn't a skinhead. He had okay. just gotten out of the army. No, yeah, yeah. Like I was 18. You say roommate, I think yeah, yeah. skinhead now. No, yeah. it was, I have, I've had like 28 roommates. So okay, like, yeah, yeah. So he was like my second roommate though. It was like he had just gotten out of the army. I was like eighteen. He's like, "Who's this twenty-five-year-old guy?" He was like, "Totally fucking drugs." No, yeah, yeah. Like, like this bad influence. Woke up with dude. like yeah. empty whiskey bottle that he put right under my face when I woke <laughs> up. Thanks, Tommy. So, but he's like one of the greatest guys, one of the funniest guys on the planet. Really nice guy. So he ended up like getting me a job in two thousand three. <clears throat> I was gonna bounce off and work on Aqua Team, whatever season it was. They were like, "Yo, we want you to come to Atlanta." And then he was like, hey, I just got hired to, to uh, be the head writer for this Orlando Jones comedy show on FX. Did that, that wound up airing, it was, right? It was on for about eight months. 
I remember um, that being a thing. That yeah, was they, in the height of Orlando oh, Jones. No, it was great. He's such an awesome guy. Like I went and met him. Tommy was like, yo, I want you to meet because they had all these other like super pro editors and all these other people like lined up. I don't know. I've never been that guy. I've never been like, here's my resume. And you're like, you seem like the most consummate professional freelance in the world. Yeah, kind of. That's what, what I did. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it was like, so I, he was like, yo, I want you to meet my friend John. So I went in and just met him. I was like, I showed him a bunch of the weird shit I make. I was like, here's the animation. Here's shit I've directed. Here's all my editing. So he was like, oh, I want to work with this guy. So they, they hired me right then and worked on that show for about, I think, seven months and then got fired for going to Comic-Con. You got fired for, for le- yeah. like leaving work That's and going to Comic-Con? Reason. Yeah. Okay. It was like, you, you know, it's like, well, you didn't ask for these hours off. They were actually just waiting to get another dude that they used to work with to come in. Like, it was either going to be that or they're going to chain up your computer again. Yeah, it was a yeah. chain-o thing. I have a lot of fun run-ins with the authorities figures seems so. like it dude so. yeah yeah and I'm, I'm sure you run into them later in life when you actually have projects and like yeah. it's a constant thing, it's always but, fun um so yeah that but that was a great a great really fun job a lot of the producers i met there like bentley evans like the following year was like yo schnapp i got this weird opportunity in brazil debbie allen's gonna go direct the first two black brazilian comedy sh- pilots i read want to go edit on your shit? wikipedia it said you lived in brazil for a while and worked yeah. with debbie allen yeah, how I went was out that to Sao Paulo for like eight weeks and then came back here for two weeks and went back out to rio de janeiro for eight weeks it was great <laughs> supposedly sao paulo is like the most fun fucking debaucherous city i think rio is more really yeah I- and sao paulo to me i just couldn't get into it's like to me it's like I'm, i guess i'm too too emotional because it's like so much poverty like yeah. little children, just like every street corner, just like, you know, trying to wash your windows. It's like favelas every, and shit, yeah, right? All, yeah. Every mountain is brown. Dude, covered the, with the dude fucking. Is, yeah, covered with brown little tiny boxes. And it's just like the poverty level is so high. And the, the people I was working with, a lot of the people that, that came with me from America were brought there to like train people in. So like how I edited these. Brazilian shows. I don't know Portuguese, so I threw the script away in front of all the editors. I mean, the 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 um you know the Brazilian yeah, editors yeah. who I was supposed to be training in. I was like, <laughs> here's the first thing you don't need as an editor: a script, a script, because what you're going to be editing with is visuals, and comedy is all about timing. So even if you can't understand what they're you saying, can't understand what they're saying because that's what I was proving to them. I was like, I will edit this with no script and not any understanding of what they're saying, but by looking at the visuals of the actors. So I was able to cut like you have your wide scene, cut to the other guy, and they had cut. Back you could to just the other tell guy. from there, and then cut to the wide. Aha! Everyone starts laughing. It was so simple. I did the entire but that's show a testament like that. to your editing skills, man. Because I mean, I saw a thing, he says it's simple, but it's I saw like, I saw a thing it's like well, here's the thing. It's like no, I'm a great <laughs> editor. I'm not afraid to say that, but it's also cool to like give people that power. It's like I'm awesome because I'm not afraid. Yeah, and that's the. But big, it seems like that's, that's the, the, the key to your career yeah. is just not being afraid. Yeah, and that's, that's how really you wound is. up wandering <laughs> through all the coolest fucking yeah. projects in the last twenty years of Hollywood or whatever. So you lived in Brazil for for a while. Was that was it? Did you did you want to get home? I mean, no, no. I really? had a girlfriend back here, and, and the same girl I'm dating now, Holly. It's like so. I, I was not really digging it, even on the debaucherous level. So I was like, but the poverty thing really bummed me out. So I was like, yo, I was ready to leave. I can imagine it's tough to party when there's like fucking kids in shanties next to you all the time, right? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, it's just like a, a mindset you have. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. not for everybody. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> no, you either put it on or take it off. That's totally. So, Man. Um, 
But yeah, so that was like. So you had your little sojourn to Brazil. Yeah. What did you do when you got back stateside? I, I started working on this. Uh, I edited this movie uh, called A Day in the Life, and it's a rap movie made by Sticky Fingers. <laughs> and it's like, it was actually inspired. Was R. he Kelly. in it as well? Yeah, well, because R. St- Kelly saw it and then made Trapped in the Closet. This is before. That's what it, Trapped in the Closet is based on a Sticky well, Fingers well, feature. R. Kelly saw the trailer for it and it was like, yo, I'm going to do that. That's, That's cause, awesome. Because Sticky put the trailer on like before the movie ever came out. I think the movie finally came out in like 2009. Or Sticky something. had a career. Sticky was Blade. Do you remember that? Yeah. On the TV, sh- do you remember oh, there was a TV, TV Blade? Blade yeah. Sticky Fingers was Blade, yes. which right made me very he happy. Did, he, before he did the Blade series, yeah, yeah. Shot this like rap movie, and I edited it, and then you know that was what I did in 2004. Excuse me, in part of 2005 was doing this like super low budget rap movie where the entire soundtrack is all beats and everybody rhymes but not in they talk not to the, but not to the rhythm of the beat yeah, or to the rhythm of the beat but, so, they, but they are all syncopated so it's like, like an opera yeah a rap opera yeah. wow it's pretty cool that sounds it's, cool it's really yeah. weird and experimental that's why i worked on it because bentley the once again that bentley dude from uh from um or from orlando jones was like yo i know this dude who's down with doing crazy shit so that's why i got involved because i'm like into making stuff you just i'm weird. into weird yeah yeah, yeah so um, did that, and then uh, Tommy and Brennan. I was working with Tommy on this other feature script at the time for like two, in 2005, and or I'm sorry, in 2004. Right as 2004 ended, Tommy and Brennan like came up with the idea, like, hey, we want to do a metal a metal cartoon show. They asked me to to design it. And so I drew out those characters like in January and February. Now, was was the inception of Metalocalypse based on Brendan's work with the Lauren Bouchard cartoons? And no, I mean, here's the thing: it's like there's like you're gonna hear different origins of the show from different people. Like Tommy and Brendan both have different, you know, how the show how the show about. came together. Like, yeah, yeah. Brendan says it's like because one of the guys called him and said you should do a show about metal, you know, and. Tommy was like had already done a show. claim that he'd wanted to do the show about no metal. no he no. Had, Tom, Tommy had already done a, a Black Sabbath cartoon show on, like with so he'd already done the he was the voice of Ozzy Osbourne he'd oh, done that's like awesome. kind of like yeah. Scooby Doo slash Black Sabbath thing he always <laughs> wanted to do that again so they both had their own separate ideas that they combined into let's do something about like a death metal now were you a big metal fan I was a metal fan not a death metal fan so I started listening to death metal once I started working on this they were like you gotta check this shit out cause it's a real specific subgenre, right yeah but it's really fun it is fun and that's even I'm not I'm not a a religious metalocalypse viewer because I'm a fucking fish head right so it was always like I love everything about this but the music but after the years of catching the show, the, the music kind of fucking gets to you a little bit. Yeah, it's melodic. Yeah, it's, it's, you, it's not all the screaming stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, Brent has been able to take the show. And, you, and, and he's, he's an incredible fucking was musician. Was this all yeah. post-home movies? This is yes. after home movies. Yeah, totally. It was funny. All of us were broke. Brennan was broke. Tommy was broke. I was broke. It was all at the and end. You didn't of, work on home movies at all. I, nothing. Right? I, I, I just met Brennan at the M bar, like in two. At That's the end of two thousand four. Yeah. Uh, end of two thousand four. It was like December two thousand four. I met him for the first time. Okay. And they were like, "Yo, we have this idea. We're kicking around." So I was like, "All right, yeah, I, I'd love to be involved." Cut to like January. End of January, we used to, had a meeting about it, talked about it, and then like the first week of February, I just drew everyone out. Like I, the only one, the only guys who changed was Pickles and uh. Basically, pickles like Murderface, like my first drawing. Like of murder that, face, first, that was it. That is Murderface was your murder, first drawing. Well, I, drew, of murder I was face. like, I know what I. I and they had just come up with all the names that like in February. They were like, because we were like just bouncing ideas around for the first month or so, and then uh, 
They just, you know, some of the names were just like computer generated. You know, I don't want to ruin like whatever. It for, it, like for you know, which ones were just came out of the computer? Which ones are actual yeah. bot names? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, yeah, a lot of them are. So it's like, <laughs> but it's like, so they were like came up with those names, and then they're like, I, I was like, I was like, I knew I wanted to make them really iconic, like so you could see just the shadows of them and know exactly who they are. Who they are. So that's yeah. like all my shit. Like I was like, I knew how I was going to design them. I knew I wanted to do it realistic, and what I told Brennan and Tommy off the right off the bat I was like, "Look, I've done a lot of Adult Swim shows, and I don't want to do anything that looks like bad animation. I want the characters to look realistic, the, like Flash Gordon filmation style. That's like, always what that show had going for it, yeah, different than any. I, I mean, it get, looked fucking incredible. I wanted yeah. to do, and I knew what Cartoon Network didn't have, so that's what I like forced." They were like really cool about it. It wasn't like a force. Like both Brennan and Tommy were like, "Okay, well, we trust you. Do what we think that sounds cool." So. That's kind of how we rolled into even coming here to Titmouse was like we, you know, once Adult Swim picked up a show, 20 order show, like from we, just flat out, flat just out. ordered 20 episodes of Metal Wow. You were like, yo, here's four, here's like, here's 20 shows, but it took a while to get the contracts done and this and that. So at the time I did like three of these little music videos, Brennan did like a Death Clock song, he did a Kill, a Kill Me song, uh, a couple songs. And so we did like a couple of little like, Music videos that they went to like South by Southwest with. Tommy originally was the voice of Nathan Explosion. So he would sing, Brennan would oh, wow. play guitar, and then he would play with backing, uh, you know, drum tracks that were pre recorded. Um, they did that like over the summer of uh, 2005. And then we like started looking for uh, an animation, animation house. Studio, yeah. Yeah. Titmouse had just lost a job. They had just moved in here. Had Titmouse done anything? Because no. I remember the first time I ever heard of Titmouse was Metalocalypse. No, this show put them on the they map. They put them on the map. No, yeah. they had done like a few things. They had like worked. With Cartoon Network on like uh, Megas XLR, but this was the first show that where they actually had their logo, and this is the first show that actually, you know, this is the show that got them a lot of their other jobs. So it was like it's cool to be a part of that. Yeah, totally. Look, you're that, in the you building know? that you built, kind yeah, of, yeah, pretty yeah. much that I don't own, but it's yeah, okay. We can um, pretend we do. Hey, I tell people, look, I they let me use stuff here. It's yeah, cool. exactly. We, we got a copy we have machine. A cool, yeah. cool relationship. So, um, yeah. So that there was meeting Chris and Shannon. Like I had known them in 2002. Oh, there's a I knock think at the we door. have a knock at the door. Maybe we'll pause. Let's see. Yes, yes. Keep on knocking. Hey, I'm doing a podcast. Oh, what time is it? Do you got to bounce? Yeah, I'm going to have to bounce. Yeah, in 10 minutes. We'll wrap up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally, dude. Um, we've gone for an hour anyway. I mean, so. Uh, what was I saying? Sorry. No worries. Uh, how you wound up a tip mouse with Metalocalypse. So oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So then we uh, we we decided to do. You know, we we're, we're like looking at different studios to do it at. This seemed like the best studio to do it at. I wasn't hundred percent convinced with doing it in Flash because I was like, well, I just remember that from the dot bomb of ninety nine, two thousand. And Chris was like, no, we could do it with like turning heads and we could build these puppets. So. By seeing what the stuff that he was talking about come to life, it was like, yeah, all right. That reinforced how you yeah. could, yeah. And we still do everything with really cool backgrounds done in Photoshop and then After Effects, all the, you know, the characters with the Flash puppet. So that creates that hybrid of being able to make it look like really cool animation. And the, and the characters stand out that much more compared yeah. to the background. That's great, so, dude. Yeah, so that's how we just we rocked it like that. And the first, the first year of doing it in 2000, uh, 2006 was like, we didn't get a lot of support from the metal community because they all thought we were making fun of them before the show. Which came is on. the opposite of no, what I know, that, but yeah. we were all like, and I was always like, this show is either going to be a giant hit or it's going to be a big failure. There's no middle ground for it. It seems like most of the stuff you've worked on has been in that zone, though, of, yeah. of like, it's either going to work amazingly well or no one's ever going to see it. Yeah, and it turned much. out everything worked out pretty fucking well. I've got a pretty 
Yeah. Get a track record. A good yeah. track record. I'd uh, say like 80% in, totally in hits, 20% you'll never hear about. Uh, so then you also worked on Venture Brothers, which is also like the... the yeah, yeah, well, that happened. It was like a, it was in between seasons two and three of Metalocalypse. Like I was like, I had just worked for four years solid doing the first two seasons. I was like, yeah, I can't wait to, to take a break. I'm going to take six months off, just write my own stuff. I get a call from Jackson Public. He's like, hey... Because we were hanging out, just going out to have lunch. Whenever he'd come up to L.A., we'd just talk movies and stuff. And he was like, he'd seen a few episodes of Metalocalypse. He liked me as a person. He was like, I, I'd like you to come and co-direct the show of you know season That's four huge, with me. Dude, yeah. So of course you don't get offers like that. No, of course. Yeah, you were like, there goes my break. There goes my vacation. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was like because he was like, well, can I, I? I'd like to take off for like four months. He was like, no, I need you to come out right now. So I was literally just finishing like the end credits of season two of Metal. Metal Ops when you jumped on the yeah yeah and it was like okay that's what's happening so I ended up like taking like it was a month and a half before I can come out there he wanted me to, like like, like on the next day, day yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah I, I worked on the first season of uh of the point four point one okay of uh of Venture, Venture Brothers. Brothers yeah then came back and then Marvel Marvel had done a Black Panther series here so. Um, one Did, of the directors, the, the one with uh, the, uh, Jaman Hansu. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So one of the, the directors was doing that, Mark Brooks. And back when he got, I was like, "Yo, dude, I'd love to do an episode of." It. He's like, "All right, I got you. I'll, I'll give you an episode." So when I came back, he was like, here's your episode. Like, so I instantly did... An episode you know, of Black Panther? Yeah, it was like the Black Knight one, because I like that character. So he was like, here, you could do that. You know, So I was like, did that episode, and then rolled right into season three right, of Metal Ocalypse. Yeah. So there's no, there's no fucking slowdown, man. No break. And yeah. there isn't... And now, now, I mean, I know we got to wrap up a little soon, but, but your recent stuff has, has not seemed like slowing either. You were part of a, a successful Kickstarter... Yeah. For uh, the Grim Fairy Tales. Yeah, well, it was like Metal 4 was wrapping up. I was like, I want to bounce off and do some different stuff. I want to work in different animated styles. I had met the Xenoscope guys. I was wanting to do an anthology series like Heavy Metal. I wrote wrote my own treatment for a, a movie version of that. And I was of like, Heavy Metal? Of No, just oh, an of, anthology. Oh, of your own anthology. anthology yeah, movie. yeah. But then I met the Xenoscope guys. I was like, this would translate really fun. So talk with them. We did a couple of things for about a year, and then I was like, you know what? The best way to try to do this is let's raise the money ourselves. Do it because it was hard to raise money to do an R-rated animated Kid cartoon. Anything. Yeah, totally. So we're like, yo, because I did, I wanted to make it hard R. So and it is hard R. Yeah, we, yeah, so me and Sean have both been fortunate enough to see part of right parts on. of it. And it I is, watched the whole twenty minutes watch, the other day. It's. It's, it's fucking awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. gore. It's, it's so. Like, it's so. What? It's like it's, tales from the crypty. It's nice. like heavy metally, but it's got. But these, it's funny. It's also like irreverently funny. It's from funny, what I and saw, then it also yeah. has like the payoff of that you never get with Zenoscope, which is like the, it, all the cheesecake pays off to like yeah, you get some boobs and you get some like <laughs> blood and like they like he 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 took it the logical to the next step. step. Yeah, 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 and it worked beautifully. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm really yeah. I'm really happy with it, and we're gonna be sending that out to all the Kickstarter, the people who paid money to make They'll it. They'll see the, the, the pilot, yeah. They'll get the whole thing in March. So oh, that's awesome. About, next week, I'm going to like show the first three minutes on Kickstarter. Oh, that's so. huge, dude. Yeah, yeah just to make an announcement like, yo, thanks for getting it. It's done. We're doing the behind-the-scenes stuff now, but here's the first three minutes. It'll be shipping out in March. And then January, I got a, a, a feature film coming out. Uh, it's ABCs of Death. Yeah, I'm one I was of, reading one about One of 26 that. directors, so directors from all around the world. It's 26 segments. 26 are- segments. Some you're going to love, some you're going to hate. <laughs> but you know, I liked about 19 of them. That's I cool. I really man. liked them. So I was like, 
you know, it's a it's a hit or miss. Like if you love comedy, you'll love these ones. If you love gore, you'll love these ones. So it's yeah. something for there's something for it's everyone. Something with for everyone. It's segments, totally yeah. insane. I'm really happy to be involved with you know the weirdest anthology ever made. That's I mean, badass. It's really dude. insane. So. I can't fucking wait. And then you've got a couple other. I don't know if you want to talk specifically about them, but I know you've got a couple other projects in the works. Yeah, possibly kickstarted. Yeah, and, I've got a couple things I'm pitching. Like right now, I'm like you know talking to agents and what that you know getting an agent to rep me. Right. That's now. why you so got to leave the pot. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Right but uh, yeah, I've got a couple of shows I do. I developed a show with Brian Ash, the writer of Black Dynamite. So oh, we wow. have that. We're taking that out as a series pitch. Can't talk about it just yet, but it's it's crazy. Um, and then a couple of movie ideas that I'm working on. John one, and I are writing yeah, movie. We're working on two. So you right guys now. have a movie with with a fucking badass title. I yeah. will say, yeah. So we're not, not, not going to say what it is. We're like all super secret. Yeah. We've entered the su- the super end of the podcast part. is when we can talk yeah. about. It's when we tell stuff. you about yeah. everything that's going to yeah. be cool that we can't tell you. No, that's great though, dude. Yeah, we'll come back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I definitely think we have enough. We have enough here to do another few of these, let alone one podcast full. John Schnepp, thank you so much for coming by, dude. This was awesome. We definitely love to have you back soon. Where can um, people find you on the webs well I'm uh, uh, John Schnepp at Twitter just my name and uh, I have my uh, site coming up uh, it'll be it's not open yet but it'll be open the 1st of January oh great 2013. also so, John Schnepp uh, it's uh, schneppzone.com schneppzone I like that oh, yeah. that's the name of your animation company that's my, right? my yeah. company which does live action and animation I, I'm like it's just all the stuff that I do so schneppzone like, yeah very so, cool man yeah. enter the schneppzone awesome dude and, yes. and everyone look out for, for Grimm hopefully sometime soon right right on awesome yeah. thanks so much dude Take care. Uh, Sean? Is this goodbye for us, too? Yeah, it is. Where can people find you on the internet? Wherever. Sean writes writes on Twitter, or they can find me through Matt Cohen's Facebook page. Yeah, because he's always always commenting on posts. always commenting. Liking up some posts, commenting on posts. This was fun. This was really fun. And we got a badass picture out of it. I know. I I didn't want to, like, We'll take a picture and post it somewhere. Well, this doesn't. I guess you don't have a bag board. No, anything. No, Facebook, Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Camel Toad. Yeah, and uh, follow Sean writes. Uh, Sean writes on Twitter, and I will take a picture. Yeah, totally. of This thing and, and um, post it. Um, and also, we should say that we, Geek uh, Geek is coming, is and coming. we're gonna. There's gonna be a podcast. Uh, next week, uh, the next Bagged and Boarded episode you will hear will be me, Sean again. I'm sorry about that, everyone. And no, uh, Axel Ortiz. Yeah, yeah. I'm beloved. You're, you are, you are the family. beloved. I am the beloved. You're an Oprah Winfrey movie. Is that an Oprah Winfrey movie? So bad. Is beloved a movie? Yes. Okay. Oprah You're that Oprah Winfrey movie. I am Oprah. Uh, we're doing a Bagged and Boarded about Geek to catch you up on everything. The art is flying in fast from Axel. It is fucking well. amazing. Don't plaw. Don't flaw or plaw, Sean. You know what? I'm turning Sean's mic off right now. Um, we're doing a geek episode of Bagged and Boarded. We're going to be talking about it. I got a, a ton of Bagged and Boarded's coming up. I am recording like a fiend um, in the new year. And uh, I hope you all join us along for the ride. Uh, Misty will be back. Uh, she's, she's doing holiday stuff right now. But uh, she, she's coming in to record a bunch. So lots of stuff happening, you guys. Lots of stuff. Follow me on Twitter, at Cameltoad. Um, Facebook. I mean, I don't know about Facebook. What am I like? You can look me up. Am I like the spoiler to Misty's Robin to your Batman? No, you're not even that. You're giving yourself way too much credit. Really, I'm not even spoiler. No, you're the spoiler. No, you are. You I are. You are Nightwing. that one. You are that one guard at Arkham with the hook hand. There's no. That doesn't. That's no. a cool guy. He's I've a cool guy. Five of these things. Okay. I'm at least like Azrael. No. You are someone from Batman Incorporated. You are like the Scottish girl Robin. <coughs> I want to be the Asian Batman. Okay. 
What's his name? I don't know. I'm Asian, Asian Batman. Batman. Okay, yeah. Sean's Asian Batman. Um, and, uh, and, and what did we learn today? We learned that John Schnapp has done a fucking shitload of we cool stuff. that, as you said, he is like the... Forrest Gump of he's just like, uh, the oh, Forrest Gump of this. stuff that is like, really important in yeah, my life. I don't know yeah. in like geek like yeah, sure, geek you want me to comedy work on animation like he, he I feel like we're gonna do a few more episodes with that gentleman because he's got one some was story. not enough. I've heard some stories from that's him. what we learned. You know what else we learned? I'm Asian Batman. Sean's Asian Batman. I'm Matt Conan. It's been bagged and boarded. It's been real. What bagged and boarded? Jesse, watch lots of movies, get mad ladies, smoke mad doobies, beg and board it, it's the way in life, tell your friends, tell your moms, tell your hoe, tell your wife, coming at you on a weekly basis, kicking up pod for your sexy faces, these are two free geeks you want to bone, in the secret podcast bunker all alone, on the internet we be the top crooks, we got issues and we don't need funny books, homie Jimmy Moore and the dinos are chilling, me and JR, we got the top villain, sit down, relax, and yo, and take a seat, get ready for the top podcast, you all agree, others spit loud, but I can spit faster, I'm out. Cohen, I'm the Geek Master. I got everything you could possibly want in it. An hour of bus and a Brento minute. I'm a little laid back and he's making love my Could we just talking shit? Who said the show was viable? Walking in the door, smoking that Jimmy Moore. You're listening from Alabama, all the way to Singapore. We're just two weeks and that's the topic of discussion. Eddie's on the slopes, on the green, on nothing. Quick stop and night, turns the storming like a typhoon. It's not right, it's wrong, it's taking lots of balls. Cause we're teaching every show, everyone celebrates. Cause we got comics, movies, and a little penetration. I regret every episode as soon as it's recorded. Cause I'm down to earth and matters out in orbit. We're not quite. Right, our thoughts are distorted. So now we present to you another bag and boarded. Bagged and boarded, 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 bagged and boarded. Yeah. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com. <laughs>